Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the newest edition of the Justin Time Sports Podcast. I am your host, Justin Jackson, and in this week's episode, we'll be discussing the NFL and what's happening there. We will be having our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We will talk about the NBA and what's happening there, and we will have our best for last. Now, don't forget to follow the social media handle at JTime Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe to the Justin Time Sports Podcast on iTunes and Spotify. Now, I hope you guys sit back and get ready to learn something. Welcome into the show. Um, loaded show today, as usual. The NFL started off with our Thanksgiving bang, a trifecta. We had breakfast, lunch, and dinner, or lunch, post lunch, and dinner, I suppose. In terms of the Thanksgiving Day schedule, we had the Detroit Lions uh, going up against the Chicago Bears. We had the Dallas Cowboys against the Raiders. We closed out with the Bills and the Saints. Um,. It was an absolutely loaded show. Also, we're going to jump into our NFL betting segment, Jack's Pack. We're going to have some NBA talk, and we're going to have our best for last. But let's jump right into that three-pack of NFL games that I just mentioned. We're going to start off with the first game, of course. We're going to start off with Lions and Bears. Uh, This game was a game that lived up to the lack of hype. Uh, Relatively boring contest, in perfect honesty with you. Uh, I'm a football fan, so I was able to find little bits and pieces. But it wasn't a spectacular contest. Andy Dalton versus Jared Goff does nothing for anybody. Um, It was amid reports, though, that Matt Nagy, added a little intrigue, that Matt Nagy was reportedly told that Thanksgiving was his last game, that he was going to be fired at Thanksgiving um, and then give clearly give the interim coach over a week to prepare to get ready for their next game, but that the Matt Nagy era was over. Um, conversely, you had no such reports about Dan Campbell, even though the team is 0-9-1, um, but they've lost, as of last night, um, five games under one possession and tied, obviously, the other games. So they've had six games conclude under one possession. They have not won any of them. This team could very well be six and three, just based on that. Uh, six and four, rather, based on that. Unfortunately for them, they are 0 10 and one. Um, but if you look at that team, that Detroit team has some potential. Jared Goff is holding them back. That's pretty much what we said about Jared Goff in LA, that he's holding them back. Um, and conversely, Andy Dalton and the Bears clearly called a game where they knew they wouldn't be threatened much offensively. Any tough throw Andy Dalton decided to make, he didn't make. Um, any long yardage situation on an extended third along, it was usually a handoff, some kind of quick pass. It was everything to do to not give that Detroit offense any kind of short fields to work, any sort of reprieve to allow them to get into the game and to really uh, try to make the game a contest because they knew that golf probably was not going to beat you driving down the field. So why give him a short field to work? Um, ultimately, Detroit had another heartbreak. Andy Dalton executed a masterful last drive. They boiled it down to literally one second and then kicked the game-winning field goal uh, from 20. So it was a chip shot field goal. It was a beautiful drive. It was absolutely perfect. Um, they left with Detroit having no timeouts and no time. It was a masterful drive at the end by Andy Dalton and Matt Nagy. Um, clearly a perfect five, six-minute drill was executed there. Um, it was truly a four-minute offense. They actually got down the field 
too quickly, and some might say, and you're having to take knees starting with a minute and a half left. You know, usually you just want to take knees at last play, that second to last play. They took three or four knees in a row. Um, so they actually made it down the field a little too quickly and had to kind of backtrack a little bit. But perfectly executed um, drive that last shot by the Bears. The only real sustained offense from either team uh, for a long stretch was that last drive. Um, so another heartbreaker for Detroit. Uh, they've lost five straight Thanksgiving games. They've lost 15, though they haven't won in 16 contests. Um, so brutal right now in Detroit. Um, they're so close every week, and then they're not. They're just not getting it done. But moving into the second game, the more interesting game, the game that was billed as the interesting one, and the game that lived up to its hype, the Dallas Cowboys and the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, we should also mention, and the NFL referees. Um, the reason I want to mention the refs is because there was 28, yes, I said 28 penalties assessed um, in the four quarters and overtime of the game. Um, that was the most penalties combined in five or six years. Uh, both teams were given 14 apiece. I think I believe the Cowboys broke their team record for the most penalties in a game, except the penalties in a game, 28 total between the teams, 14 and 14, like I said. Um... So I had to mention those guys, get them out the way. Anthony Brown uh, picked up four penalties. First time that's happened in a few years. Um, he was penalized four times. All, and I do mean all, on pass interference. Four for four there. Um, including the one that almost set up the game winner. But the game was back and forth contest. You know, both teams were going a little run. Um, and then it got down to the end. And Vegas had a drive they had to have. And it was one of those... Like I spoke about earlier with the Bears, that was a sustained offense. The Raiders really hadn't had sustained offense in that second half. They jumped out early in the first half and then kind of had to rally the troops for the second half. Um, but that overtime, the Cowboys didn't score, punt it to the uh, Raiders. You know, next score wins. The Raiders executed a masterful drive, got right in front of the end zone. Instead of saying, we're going to try to score a touchdown, screw this, kick a field goal, get out of here. Um, and that's what they did. The Raiders broke a five-game losing streak. Remember, the Raiders started off 4-2. They were one of the hottest teams. A lot of teams were picking them to come out of the AFC West at that point. They were 3-2, something like that. And 4-2, they went on a four-game losing streak. Um, but now they have beaten the Cowboys. The Cowboys have lost two of their last three. Um, and the Raiders now are still very much in the AFC wildcard picture. I don't think they're going to catch Kansas City for the division. I think the Chargers are the team for that in the uh, AFC West. If, if they're going to be caught, it's going to be the Chargers. But uh, the Raiders are right there in the thick of the AFC wildcard picture. But let's talk about the Cowboys. Let's, let's talk about the Cowboys. Because the Cowboys are a very interesting team. We're going to talk about the Raiders a little bit more too. But the Cowboys are a very interesting team. They're a very interesting franchise. They're America's team. Yet when they lose, it was the rest's fault. Oh man, those zebras were killing us all game. Both teams had 14 penalties. So I guess the I guess the Zebras killed the Raiders too. Because both teams have 14 penalties. Two of your last three games, you've lost to AFC West teams, ironically, but I would say inferior opponents. Denver had you down 30 to 0 in Dallas. And you lost to the Raiders. And actually they lost three of their last four. I forgot about Kansas City. Have they lost three in a row? I believe the Cowboys may have lost three football games in a row. No, no, they beat the Falcons. 
they blew the Falcons out. So the, uh, so the Cowboys have lost three of their last four games, all to the same division, the AFC West. The Denver had them down 30-0 in Dallas. Then they beat the Falcons, which it's Atlanta. So, I mean, I mean there's no real pride in that. And then you go to Kansas City and score nine. Four days later, you end up against the Raiders. Your offense shows up. Your defense goes to sleep. And you lose in overtime 33-30. Yeah, the Cowboys going to win the division. Because the rest of the division is the Giants. Terrible. You have the Eagles. Not terrible, but not good. And the Washington football team, which I don't even know. When they play good teams, they look great. When they play bad teams, they look bad. They're very played to your expectation um, or played to your opponent. Three to much, they're a rise to the occasion team or lower themselves to the occasion team. Because, like I said, they put together a 10-play or 19-play 10-minute drive against the Tampa Bay Bucks to ice Tom Brady and throw a clunker out against the fourth-place team like the next week. It's it's insane. I don't get Washington. But when you've got a situation like that, they're going to win the division. Not a problem. Them winning their division will not be an issue. What will be an issue is they're going to win their division, probably the third or fourth seed, and you're going to host uh, Rams. You're going to host um, us. Well, I was going to say the Saints, but I don't know. You're going to host a Rams. You're going to host a... Probably the Rams. I think they're going to be third or four. Um, so look at your division leaders. You've got Arizona winning their division. Green Bay's winning their division. Dallas is winning theirs. Tampa's winning theirs. Then the wild card is going to be two AFs. Well, I was gonna, well, the 49ers might get in now. The Rams are in. Oh, the NFC's a mess. But let's just say you end up the four seed, because that's very possible. And you end up hosting the Rams in the first round in Dallas. Matt Stafford's going to win that football game. I guarantee you, Matt Staff is going to win that game. His first playoff game, his second playoff game ever, his first in his state of home state of Texas, Matt Staff is going to win that game. So then you would have only done what in Dallas? Nothing? I mean, you, you would have practiced a week longer than everybody else, but, you, I mean, ultimately you have a worse draft pick. You pay $75 million to your quarterback to get bounced in the first round. Your head coach doesn't, from what I can tell, do anything. Um... And you would have done nothing but lose to Matt Stafford in the playoffs, which has never been done by anybody considering he's 0-1 in the playoffs, 0-2 rather in the playoffs. You've got a problem in Dallas. And I'm not sure what it is. Zeke Elliott's looking old again. You know, a few weeks ago, I was being told that, man, the, dis- the Zeke disrespect has to stop. Now those very same people are screaming for Tony Pollard to go in the game. So, I mean, that's a little bit different. And it doesn't help that Tony Pollard had a 100-yard kickoff return, and Zeke is struggling to get three yards and moving like he's in quicksand. Dak Prescott, he's not looking himself. I mean, is, is he a product of his environment? He hadn't had Amari, and he hadn't had CD these past two games, and he looked terrible against the Chiefs. He looked okay. He looked, he looked solid last night. The defense showed up against the Chiefs. The Chiefs only had 19 points. Conversely, they get to the Raiders. The Raiders scored 33. Including getting bombed by Deshaun Jackson a couple times. Mike McCarthy is still doing Mike McCarthy-ish things. Kellen Moore probably had the worst two-point play I've seen in a very long time. He basically ran a triple option for a two-point conversion. When you've got that offensive line semi-healthy and you've got Zeke, you got Dak throwing the ball well, I think you spread him out and throw a slant. Um, you know, run a quick sprint rollout or something. 
I mean, that was just, I don't know what that two-point conversion call was. The kicker left points on the board. It, it was a lot was happening in Dallas. Um, and so, I don't, Dallas is in a very annoying spot. Like I said, you lost three of your last four. Luckily, I believe you're done with the AFC West. That seems to be your issue. Um, and we're going to see where Dallas goes from here. Conversely, on the Raiders, they keep finding ways to win. It's insane. I don't know how they're doing it. Your head coach gets fired. Your present domineering $100 million head coach gets fired for racist, radical emails. Your top, One of your top receivers gets he throws his life away in, in a DUI drunk accident. Your former first-time pick corner gets kicked off the team because he was releasing videos displaying gun violence on social media. And yet, they just keep winning. Derek Carr channeled his inner John Gruden and just kept winning. I mean, he he said he's using a Gruden mantra, which is don't take your arm out of the game. And got himself off the mat. They struggled a little bit, but now they're still finding a way to be in games. They're still finding a way to have a presence. I don't know the interim coach's name. And yet, they are winning football games in Vegas. Now, I do think Vegas needs to not keep this guy. I hope this is not one of those, oh, let's keep him the seat. Nope. Mm-mm. He needs to he needs to be moved on. Uh that Vegas Raiders job is too good of a job for you not to go and get a top flight office of Eric B enemy or someone like that in Vegas. That job is too good um, to just hire some interim coach. But they are fighting in Vegas. It's very impressive. Um, and then they then what made yesterday even more impressive is they won that game without Darren Waller for three quarters and without Max Crosby for most of the game as well. And they win the game in Dallas versus the first place Dallas Cowboys. Incredibly impressive performance by the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, all of those guys deserve a pat on the back for that. Um, huge job in Vegas. Good job, Raiders. And now for the nightcap. Um, or I mean, had a lot of people drinking their nightcaps in New Orleans a little early. Um, the Buffalo Bills versus the New Orleans Saints uh, was not a contest at any given point. It was very obvious Trevor Simeon and that offense could not move. Um, I was seeing several fans clamor for Taysom Hill, but Taysom Hill's injured. He has a bad ankle. He's pretty much an emergency only use only. And you know he is injured when he did not do anything special teams related. I don't recall Taysom Hill ever in his time in New Orleans wearing a baseball cap on the sideline. Ever. And that's pretty much all he did. It was very traditional quarterback. Earpiece in his ear, hat on, um, pretty much not even walking with the flow of the offense at a certain point. He was just like there listening in um, to the play call, but he wasn't doing anything uh, anywhere in relation to attempting to get on the field. He was running no special teams. He was running no Wildcats, nothing. He was just, he was just there. He was an emergency use quarterback only, um, which is a very interesting decision because if you weren't going to use him, why not dress Ian Book? Um, I don't believe Ian Book dressed. I don't think he was activated. So if Taysom Hill is going to be an emergency use pocket quarterback anyway, why not dress Ian Book and have him with the earpiece on the sideline listening? Which I'm sure he was, but they never showed him. But have him on the sideline um, listening in the calls and getting some of that active flow because he could have used those last couple of drives when the game was over for live bullets and live action just to see um, another defense other than his uh, defense in practice. So that's what I would have done, but the Saints obviously didn't do that. But the Bills, the Bills should be happy today, and they should be happy this morning because now they're on New England prep. They've got an extra three days on us, us being the Patriots. Um, 
because New England doesn't play till Sunday. The Bills had the Thanksgiving advantage. So, and I'm sure their scouts and stuff were already putting together packages. Um, probably had them uploaded on their iPads last night or this morning, getting ready for New England. And so they get to watch the New England game live. I'm sure that uh, Sean McDermott, that's what I would do. If, uh, if I get to watch the team, we're going to watch the team. We're going to all come together in the team facility. We're going to get some food. And we're going to sit down and watch that team play. Um, and then, of course, they'll put together a highlight package and have the uploaded film ready to go by Monday morning. But that's a huge advantage to Buffalo because Buffalo needed a confidence booster after their last few games have not been great either. They had a stinker against Jacksonville. Um, then they had a bad loss Sunday. Uh, memory serves me correctly. They lost to Texans, Tennessee. They lost to Texans. No, Tennessee lost to the Texans. Um, but Buffalo had that clunker against Jacksonville. Um, their offense hasn't looked right. To be honest, their offense didn't look great uh, yesterday either. It was one of those they were on the field so much that eventually the Saints defense kind of tapped out. Um, oh, yeah, no, they had that clunker against Jacksonville. They blow out the Jets and then get annihilated by the Colts. And so last night was one of those confidence boosters. boosters. But um, they are in a spot where they needed a confidence boost, and the Saints gave it to them. But like I said, there was no real opposition from the Saints offensively. Uh, Trevor Simeon could do a whole lot of nothing quickly. Um, Josh Allen threw two interceptions. One was pretty rough. Uh, the one to the DB, the Quan Alexander pick, that happens. It, it, there's nothing you can do about that one. But going into a game against New England, where New England wants to turn over the quarterback because that's how they get their offense on a short field led by Mac Jones, two interceptions could lose you that football game. So that's something to keep our eye on um, with the Bills. A good win for them. But now let's jump into last week's games. Um, Titan down? Houston? Really? No, 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 no. Really, Tennessee. Houston. You, in your three games since Derrick Henry, you've played the Rams, the, um, oh man, who the Titans play? The Rams, the Texans, and the, oh man. You played the Rams, the Texans. You played you played three teams, three solid teams at least. Um, you played two good teams and a bad one. You played the Rams, Texans, and the Saints. You played the Rams, Texans, and the Saints. That is who you have played so far since the Derrick Henry injury. And the team you lost to was the Texans. Although I mean, looking back on it, losing to the Saints probably would have been worse considering the state of affairs the Saints are in. Um, because they were down 14 season opening starters per Sean Payton last night. So the Saints are a mess. But you absolutely got punched in the mouth by the Texans. Mind-boggling. Like, I know the Patriots had a bad first half against Houston. And they've given teams trouble for a half, even three quarters. But the team usually figures it out. They just out-talent them at the end. And there was no out-talenting um, occurring last week for the, for the Titans. They got handled um by the texans they respond by releasing adrian peterson which i thought was weird although reportedly ap is a candidate to come back um you know in a week or two but they just released him they needed a roster spot for something and moved off adrian peterson since his deal was non-guaranteed it was easiest to do so and not mess with the cap uh too too badly and add any unnecessary penalties but that's a problem tennessee now you're going into a game against new england which we'll talk about that game later um but that's 
That's a bad loss to take an L to the Houston Texans right before a huge game against New England. Maybe they were looking forward, uh, looking past Houston at New England, but you, you, you can't lose to Houston, especially when it's a situation where you're trying to hold on to that one seed while Derrick Henry recovers. You've got teams like New England, Kansas City, um, are charging now full head of steam at that one seed. They've all picked up their stride and they're coming. Um, and Indy's charging now for the division. So you better keep your eye on Tennessee. If they lose this week, it can start a snowball effect and there won't be much to play for when Derrick Henry comes back. Um, so keep your eye on Tennessee against New England. We'll, we'll talk about them a little later. The Bengals. The Bengals return. Welcome back, fellas. Um, and I spoke about it last week. I said good teams went off the bye. That's it's simple. Now that I believe Cincinnati is a good team, they showed up. They won off their bye week. Um, pretty convincing performance um, from the Cincinnati Bengals. But it was a game that they needed. Again, another one of those teams where they're trying to change a narrative and they're trying to change how they're viewed in the world. So the Raiders are trying to change their view. Oh, it's the same old Raiders, whatever. They'll fall apart. The Browns are trying to change their view. Um, Cincinnati is team trying to change their view. They handled the Raiders. We just smashed the cop. We just beat the Cowboys. Uh, they handled the Raiders 32-13 in Vegas. Um, and so, again, it's another one of those teams trying to change their narrative. Joe Burrow, uh, Jamar Chase, uh, T. Higgins, Joe Mixon, uh, Trey Henderson on defense. They're trying to alter the world's perception of the Cincinnati Bengals. Because we, let's be honest, no one hears Cincinnati Bengals and thinks it's just a well-run, good franchise. It's still not a well-run, amazing franchise. They still have the cheapest owner in the NFL. Um, I believe they're the only team up north without an indoor practice facility. So that's just that will just show you how uh, frugal, let's just say, that uh, the ownership is in Cincinnati, and it'll probably change once ownership changes hands. Um, even if it goes to children, children usually spend the parents' money a little more willingly than the parents do. Uh, but Joe Burrow's carrying that franchise up. They're making a turn. And so they handled the Raiders in a big game. Again, I had the Bengals winning 10 games and getting in the playoffs. They have a huge game against Pittsburgh. Again, we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, they have a huge game against Pittsburgh this weekend. Um, and a few solid teams left in their schedule. But, I mean, they could very well get to 10 or 11 wins. Uh, they're already at six. So... Uh, the huge big win for the Bengals. They've got another big test coming up. Again, we'll talk about that a little later. Um, the Colts. The Colts are in this. The Colts are in this. The Colts are in a war. Um, I had them getting nine wins to win the division. Obviously, that was pre-Titans uh, becoming, I don't know, demigods for a second. But the Colts are in a war right now. Uh, they are currently sitting at six and five remember i said that they had to get to five and five before the buffalo game um then they beat buffalo so now they are at six and five and actually one game ahead of schedule because i had them at five and seven entering the houston game um as of a few days ago so i said man look at that schedule looking like five and seven entering houston and then i said man they'd be lucky to get to seven or eight wins but they've they beat buffalo they got kansas city they get another game we'll talk about a little later. They got Kansas City, um, not Kansas City, Tampa Bay, rather, um, this week. And so if, if they get to 7-5 and five entering Houston, they can enter the game against the Patriots 8-5, and five, uh, which would be very huge for them to try and catch Tennessee because Tennessee falters. They might both be staring at each other in the face at 8-5. and five. 
entering that week. Now Tennessee will own the tiebreaker thanks to beating the Colts twice um, this season, and that's gonna that's definitely gonna hurt the Colts. Uh, getting swept by a division opponent always hurts on the back end, but staring each other in the face at eight and five puts the pressure on Tennessee because now you have to be better than us the rest of the season. And Tennessee has a pretty solid schedule on the back end. Uh, the Colts have. A couple of playoff teams that last few weeks, uh, they have the Patriots, obviously, Arizona, Raiders, Jaguars are their last four. So they have a pretty decent schedule in terms of toughness on the back end as well. But they would be putting the pressure on Tennessee to keep up their level of play. So uh, Colts are back. And Superman returns Cam Newton's first game back um, as the starting quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. Started off great, ended kind of tragically um tragically being too harsh for word but it started off great you know he first drive they went down and scored a touchdown um and then they come back later he throws a fake qb draw touchdown to dj moore and he goes takes the ball and slams on the center field turf and i strongly believe the panthers did not score again for the two quarters um it was pretty rough washington locked down um and came back and won the game 27-21 um, with a lot of guys, with a couple of Washington players taking little digs at him. Like, I thought you got, I thought he was back and stuff like that, which was expected. Um, the players said they know how much Warner Vera wanted to win that game because it wasn't just over Carolina anymore. It was Cam and Carolina. Um, so it was both of the people that kind of mm, pushed you out the back door. Pretty much the reason why you think you're not in Carolina anymore was the new ownership and Cam's body. So if Washington players say they know that Coach Rivera didn't make it about Cam, but they know they knew how much he wanted to win that game, and he did. 27-21, again, Taylor Heineke had one of his better performances. Um, he played well against Carolina, played well against Tampa. was pretty average or below average the rest of the season. But Carolina has a pretty um, important game to their season against the Dolphins, which have suddenly become a world beater. But Carolina has a pretty solid schedule the rest of the way in terms of they can steal some wins. Uh, they've got Miami, Atlanta, Buffalo, depending on what Buffalo team shows up, Tampa twice, and the Saints. So Carolina could get to six, seven, eight. They can get to nine wins on again, nine and eight. And nine and eight might get them in the back end of the playoffs. But up next, we're going to shift, stay in the NFL, but shift weeks. We're going to come to this present week. Some huge games happening this week in the NFL. guys welcome back into the show and now we're gonna jump into this week's of nfl games um huge playoff implications i love this time of year in the nfl every game seems to matter um seem to have a team that's in a contest for the wild card or the division and so let's jump right into it we spoke about it a few minutes earlier um steelers at Bengals is a game that is huge the Bengals had a huge win last week against the Bills. Uh, the Steelers uh, coming off that weird tie with the Lions um, and then the game against the Bears. Now they have a contest in the division against the Bengals. And I spoke about it uh, preseason that my odd man out in the AFC North was going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
and now they have a chance to really put a damper on the Bengals season and be helped out by that tie. Uh, they would move in front of the Bengals and play Cincinnati, I believe, in the fourth place in the division again. So that would kind of put a damper on my plans, but this is a big game. Um, this could be a passing of the torch game in terms of Ben Roethlisberger to Joe Burrow. Uh, I do believe the king of the AFC North is Lamar Jackson, obviously. But then second place, up for grabs. I believe Joe Burrow is second. Then I'll put Ben and then Baker. Um, but this could be a game where Burrow officially takes the crown from Ben as the second place guy. And he's battling Lamar for number one. He's already put a hurting on Lamar earlier in the season. And so this would do a lot as well for the Bengals perception. I spoke about that a few minutes ago, that the Bengals are one of those bottom five historic franchises. And this would do a lot for them in terms of their perception and the league can be taken seriously because they arrive into their week, their game next week, seven and four. You're looking at a team that, okay, they're right up there at the top of the AFC because then I'm going to say Tennessee loses this week. Um, and that game's in Jack's pack, so we'll spoil alert right there. I think Tennessee loses this week, but then Tennessee would have their third or fourth loss. The Bengals only have four losses. You look at the Patriots with four, the Chiefs would have four. It'd be a it'd be a mass of people, all with three or four losses, and the Bengals would be right in that mix. Ravens as well. So huge game. Um, this game is not in Jack's pack, so I'm gonna pick it. I've got the Bengals by four. In this in this in this contest, I've got the Bengals by four. I don't even know the point spread, so if it's over four, take the Bengals. Um, I've got the Bengals by four because I think that Joe Burrow is the better quarterback than Ben Roethlisberger at this stage of his career. Uh, Joe Mixon's a better running back at this stage of their career than Najee Harris. Now the now the Pittsburgh Steelers could be getting a little healthier defensively. So if Minka Fitzpatrick and TJ Waterback on the field, that may change things a little bit. I'm not sure what their injury status is as of this second. Um, but rise of sits right now, I'm going to assume no Minka. I'm going to assume no TJ for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. And I'm going to pick the Cincinnati Bengals to win the game by four and to put a um, and to put a damper on the Pittsburgh Steelers chances of not being the odd team out in the AFC North. Although the Cleveland Browns are helping them not be that way by the way that they are playing as well. And then the next game that has a lot of playoff implications, although in two different conferences, is Bucks at Colts. Now, thanks to the ineptitude of the New Orleans Saints and the health issues of the New Orleans Saints, um, the Tampa Bay Bucks seem to be like the Cowboys, where it's just a matter of what seed are they going to be in the top four because they have no real threat to them inside the division. Um, so this could be huge playoff seeding because no one wants that fifth seed. That fifth seed is probably the Rams. Is uh, that fourth seed is probably going to be hosting the Rams to open the playoffs in Wild Card Weekend, and no one wants to see the Rams because if you're in Tampa, that's a warm weather team. So are the Rams. Dallas is indoor, so it's cold in Dallas in in January, but you're inside, so you get no effect there. That fast carpet uh, in Jerry World. No one wants to see the Rams, and of course Tampa doesn't want to see the Rams either. Even though it is a cross country trip for LA. You get no weather advantage. It's not like the Rams are going to Lambeau. You know, you get no weather advantage there. And so no one wants that fourth seed. So it's big for the Bucks to win this game. Conversely, for the Colts, I looked at the Colts coach a few weeks ago and I said, get to five and five. You'll probably be five and seven going into the Houston game, six and seven, and see what happens the rest of the way. Well, now they're six and five. So they're already one game ahead of schedule. I assume they will lose to get Buffalo. They smashed Buffalo 41 15, which was the first time that score has ever happened in NFL history. Um, 
and now they get the Tampa Bay Bucks. It's in Indianapolis. Carson Wentz plays really well at home. He's actually having a very solid season. Um, we'll talk about the quarterback having a pretty good season as well. That's not getting any accolades, but Wentz is having a very good season right now. Um, their Tampa Bay team, depending on what team shows up, they still not have Antonio Brown. He's expected to be back next week per Adam Schefter. Um, Gronk is back, but Sean Murphy Bunting's back. Uh, but what Tampa Bay team's going to show up? We don't know what Bucks team's going to be there. It's going to be the team that they can win the Super Bowl again, or is it going to be the team that they're lucky they're in the NFC South? Otherwise, they might not make the playoffs. Um, so it'll be huge to see which Tampa Bay team shows up. Um, this game is also not in Jack's pack, so I am going to pick it. I'm going to go Colts win this game by three, which may send the Bucks into a bit of a tailspin because that would be an L to the Washington football team. That would be a dominating victory versus the Giants, 30-10, to 10, and then turn around and have another L versus a kind of playoff team in the Indianapolis Colts. Um, so I'm going to go Colts by three, although it would not shock me if the Bucks win this game by 10 or more. I'm only doing Colts by three here because I believe the teams are close at this point in the season. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is rushing through everybody. Um, he is a very real MVP candidate. Um, Carson Wentz has been mostly efficient throughout the year. He's had a couple of clunkers versus the Titans, but he's been mostly efficient throughout the year. Um, and then, like I said, depending on what Tampa team shows up, so I'm going to go Colts by three uh, home field, so I give them a three-point advantage. Titans at Pats. A game that is not in that game that it is in Jack's pack, so of course I will not pick it. I'll save my official selection for um, Jack's pack. But this is gonna be this is a massive game inside the AFC, huge game inside the AFC. And the reason why I say that is Tennessee and the Patriots both effectively lead their divisions. Now the reason why I say effectively is because Tennessee actually leads their division. Uh, the Patriots led their division all of 24 hours ago. And then um, the the Bills put a hurting on the Saints, and then through light components and a couple other weird tiebreakers, the Bills are temporarily in first place, um, or technically in first place right now until the games are decided on Sunday. Um, but both teams effectively their division, and both teams have somebody at their heels in their division. So if like I spoke about the Patriots, they have the Bills who are jostling for first place in the division. Um, and for the Titans, you have, like I said, the charging Colts. Um, so they're trying to make things interesting in the AFC South. And both teams need a win here. Uh, if you're the Titans, you have to keep the confidence that you can win games without Derrick Henry alive. If you go out and you lost to Houston last week, heartbreaker happens. If you go out and lose to the Patriots, that would quantify to the league that, yeah, it truly is a Derrick Henry-centric offense, which we know. But it's one of those things where the other team, the rest of the team can't function without him, can't win games without him, and you lose a lot of your confidence. Heading into the stretch where Henry might not be back till week 17 or 18. Um, if not, get him back on the field for the playoffs, you would lose a lot of your confidence and a lot of your belief in yourself if you lose this game to the Patriots. Conversely, for New England, you have had a stigma all season where you haven't beaten a lot of good teams. Um, the Chargers beat the Chargers. That's a good win, but you played the Saints. You lost. Tampa was a loss. Um, your first loss to Miami. And so this is big for confidence out the building that they can beat legitimate football teams. They can beat teams going to the playoffs. So huge game in the AFC. Again, it is in Jack's pack, so we will save our official pick for that game.
Chargers at Broncos. A battle of the AFC West. Um, th- this is a game to see who will be the team to challenge Kansas City. Uh, both of these teams have beaten Kansas City so far. Uh, the Chargers are going into Denver. This game is not in Jack's pack. I'm going to go Chargers by four. Um, very interesting challenge from the Chargers here. And the Broncos, I don't think the Broncos have the offense capability led by Teddy Bridgewater to score enough points to keep up with the Chargers. Um, here, Here's why. The Chargers have the ability with Austin Eckler, who just scored a lot of touchdowns in their last game. Five touchdowns, I believe. Um, Austin Eckler, you've got Justin Herbert, you've got Keenan Allen, you've got Mike Williams, you've got Jared Cook. Whenever Jared Cook decides to play smart football, um, the defense started to figure it out too with um, Derwin James and Bosa and the rest of that crew, Kenneth Murray. And so that Chargers team was really ready to play. Brandon Staley has got his mojo back, got his swagger back. He was a rookie head coach. It was expected he would eventually run into a rough patch, run into a mild issue, and have it to slow down and reset his program, which he did. He was able to slow down, reset, and now they're like, they're ready to roll. Conversing on Denver's side, yeah, you beat the Cowboys 30 to 0, or 30 to 16, but effectively 30 to 0. But you really were helped out by a lot of Dallas Cowboy mistakes. And I just don't think the team's very good. I mean, they, they paid a lot of money out this week. They re-signed um, Cortland Sutton. They re-signed um, one of the other receivers as well. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, obviously, is starting quarterback. But Gary Bowles has COVID. So now your tackle is out. Your best tackle's out. And I'm pretty sure Bowles is going to find, Joey Bowles is going to find whoever the replacement is very quickly. And so you're going to see just, just how good he could be um, standing up against Gary Bowles or standing up against Joey Bosa. Teddy Bridgewater is already not the best person in terms of ball security in the pocket. Um, I expect a lot of blitzes probably that way as well to try and uh, test that tackle, see how well he is at communicating and passing stuff off. And I, I guess I'm going to go charges by four here just because, just because L.A. tends to make games closer than they should. So I'm going to go charges by four. Battle of the AFC North, Cleveland Browns and the loss, and that's not my, my apologies, Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Um, this game also, oh, this game isn't Jack's pack. I will not pick it right now. This is a huge game in the AFC North. Um, three weeks ago, the Bengals were the top team in the AFC North. Two weeks ago, the Bengals were the fourth team in the AFC North. Why? Because the AFC North shuffles that, that rough all the time because the team was so close. And now you've got Browns at Ravens. Browns win this game. The Bengals could end back up in first place, I believe, in the AFC North if they handle their business. Um, Ravens win this game. They push the Browns back down. Um, Browns end up in fourth place, depending on what the Steelers do. Um, It could put another damper on Baker Mayfield's salary hunt and his hunt to try and make more money. Um, This could be a lot of, this has a lot of implications in terms of whoa a little bit of breaking news um new orleans saints return man uh deontay harris has a three game suspension following his dui um so the hitch just keep on coming for the new orleans saints um as deontay harris has now been suspended uh three games for um a DUI. So the hits just keep on coming 
for the uh, New Orleans Saints this season. So, wow, they're down another starter. <laughs> I mean, he he's a starting return man. Um, you know, he does returns. He does um, gadget plays. Think Percy Harvin is probably the best comparison I have for him in terms of the way he is used. Um, but another starter down for the New Orleans Saints. But shifting back to the AFC North contest, um, it's a huge game. It's a spectacular game. Like I said, we won't pick it right now because it is in Jack's pack. But we will pick it um, at the start of Jack's pack. It is my favorite number of the week. Um, but we will hold off on that just for a second. Um, and Minnesota, and the last game is Minnesota Vikings versus the San Francisco 49ers. This game is huge in terms of wild card. I truly believe one of these teams will make the playoffs. And I think the winner of that game, of this game, will be the team to do it. Um, it's Vikings at Niners. It's two teams that have their up and downs. The Vikings should have at least two or three more wins on that schedule. They should have beat Dallas with Cooper Rush. They should have beat Arizona, but they missed the easy field goal. They should have beat Cincinnati, but they kind of blew the overtime. So Minnesota should be firmly in the playoff hunt, if not challenging Green Bay for the division lead. And San Francisco just is injured perpetually. They're always injured. Um, and so these two teams fighting for an outside shot at the wild card. I do believe one of these two teams will make it. Minnesota is a lot better than their record. Um, San Fran may be using another Rams win as a launching pad to get their season back in order. Um, I don't believe that happens, though. I believe Minnesota goes into San Fran and win. Kirk Cousins, remember that? When I spoke about a few minutes ago, I said, Kirk, somebody's having another good season that's very underrated. I was talking about Carson Wentz at the time, but now Kirk Cousins is having a very good season. Uh, passing Passer rating in the in the upper 90s, low 100 area. He's got a completion percentage, very high completion percentage. I believe he's 21 touchdowns, two interceptions. Kirk Cousins is having a very good year, um, but due to the fact, like I said, they blew three games. If it was, if he had three more wins on his ledger, we'd be talking about Kirk Cousins as potential league MVP right now because he's playing a very good brand of football. But we've seen him in primetime. We saw the Cooper Rush game, you know, where he didn't play good at all against Dallas. We saw that game. He lost to Cooper Rush. And then we also, you know, we saw, oh, he lost to Arizona. We saw, oh, they lost to uh, Cincinnati in week one. So it's kind of you write Kirk Cousins off. He's having a pretty good football season. Numbers that a lot of teams would kill for right now to play quarterback for them. Um, and so keep doing what you're doing, Kirk Cousins. You are playing well, actually, um, right now, very well this season so far. Um, and just for some news, uh, Everson Griffin had an uh, incident at his home. Um, there was all kind of wild reports. Um, one saying that shots were fired off inside the home, although there's no, I haven't seen that anywhere reported, um, major reported anyway. Um, but he was. He, he, he's been struggling with his mental health and he had another incident uh, police were called a uh, very rough situation uh, ultimately he did come out of the home after a few hours without incident so that's good he's not getting the help he needs there's always a positive uh, there Tredavious White suffered a non-contact knee injury I'm still waiting on the true um, nature of how bad it was um, non-contact and the way the coaching staff was talking like hopefully he'll be back and things like that it's not a good sign um, for Bill's standout corner, Tredavious White. Um, Darren Waller of the Las Vegas Raiders suffered a strain IT band in his knee. Very, very minor, very positive news considering how quickly he was ruled out. Um, so positive there. 
in New Orleans Saints kick returner slash receiver Deontay Harris has been suspended three games uh, like we spoke about a couple minutes ago uh, following a DUI arrest, which he is appealing. So that is all of your news. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Sorry. I dubbed it Aaron Rodgers. Um, has a fractured toe. Now, at first it was a joke that he had COVID toe, but now it is a uh, fractured toe as Aaron Rodgers showed the media during his interview that it was a fractured toe. So that is a bit on Aaron Rodgers, which was my rationale. It was the only thing worse than a turf toe was a break of some sort. So the fact that he confirmed it was fractured uh, just proved that. But up next, we're going to shift to our NFL's betting segment, Jack's Pack. guys and welcome back into the show and now we're going to talk about our nfl betting segment jack's pack um we have fallen all the way back down to earth uh last week 0 and 5 i've seen i have completely lost my touch here um and when we went from 5 and 0 to 4 and 1 to 1 and 4 to 0 and 5 um we are five games under 500 Hey, we got a lot of football left in us. We're going to turn this around. I see we had a rough patch last season, um, and then we killed it in the playoffs. So I expect us to do the same this season. We're going to get this turned around this week, um, and we're going to turn this ship around right now. Let's jump right into this. We've got Browns at Ravens. Ravens minus three and a half. Take the Ravens. All eyes provided by Caesar Sportsbook this week. Um, Browns at Ravens. Like I said, Ravens minus three and a half. Take the Ravens. Um, it's a home game for Baltimore. This this line is weird. Vegas traditionally gives three points for home field. So you're only saying the Ravens are on a neutral field half point better than the Browns. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I think the Ravens are going to win this game by 10 or more. I don't see how the Browns stand up to that Ravens pressure. Now, they are, now the Browns are getting Jack Conklin and Kareem Hunt back, which is huge because if Baker Mayfield can run the ball um, and keep his throw attempts 24 below the Browns have a hell of a shot in winning the game I just don't see how they stand up to Baltimore Baltimore was embarrassed by Miami um I mean that's that's gonna be an angry football team uh, then they I think they had a bye week so they lost Miami then you had a bye week good teams win games off buys especially good teams that are being embarrassed win games off buys um so I've got the Baltimore Ravens winning that game by 10 or more I've got the Ravens winning convincingly Falcons at Jags. Jags plus two. Give me the Jags. Um, goes against a little conventional wisdom. It's not like the Jags win in Jacksonville very often. They've only won once in the last 400 days or so in Jacksonville. Um, but I've got the Jags plus two. I think the Jags are going to win the game outright. I'd money line this. It'll actually help your odds a little bit. The Falcons have a very up and down system. And the Falcons do play down to their competition. Um, and so the Jags have the ability to spread the ball out and throw it really well at times with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, James Robinson's going to be there. The Falcons do not have the world's best defense. Obviously, they never have. Um, they were absolutely punished by the Patriots, 25-0 last Thursday. 
Um, so maybe they come out angry. I just don't see how the Falcons. I feel like that was one of those games where you look up, the season's over, and you're not fighting for much. Um, pretty much if you're management, you're probably rooting for the draft pick at this point. If you are like Matt Ryan, you're hoping that houses in Denver look great and that you're a Bronco next year or, um, you know, something like that. But if you are or a Saint even, but um, the Jags, I believe, are fighting for a lot right now. They're fighting for a lot of pride. Urban Meyer wants to keep that program together. So he's going to have to stack wins if he can. And I believe the Jaguars win the game outright, um, outright by three. And Jackson with that pretty good kicker there, I think he wins it. Panthers at Dolphins. Panthers minus two. Take the Panthers. Um, weird line here. Very weird line here. So the Panthers have a top defense, a really good defense. The defense is pretty good, actually. Um, now, the Dolphins have a defense when they're engaged with Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. They can really play man up defense, and especially when they're engaged. But I don't see them having to go very many long fields. Um, two is going to get the start. He's no, he, he'll give the ball up. That Carolina defense is swarming. I've got the Panthers winning this game uh, fairly comfortably. Final score will be closer than the game played. I've got Carolina winning the game by six, um, something along the lines of 27-21. Um, but I believe Cam Newton's going to have a pretty good game. He, he's going to hear the chatter from the Washington football team. He's going to hear the chatter of fans saying, yep, came back to Carolina, still losing, um, things of that nature. He heard all that all week. I believe he's going to come out motivated, ready to roll. He's not He's not going to play in Carolina, so that emotional roller coaster he was on last week won't be there this week. Um, he'll be playing in Miami. And probably have a few few fans in the stands. I mean, the, the North Carolina to Miami drive isn't that big of a trek in terms of flights and stuff like that. So I believe, especially with the Dolphins not being that great, they don't really fill it up anymore. So I believe that the Panthers will have some support there. Cam will be comfortable. Um, he'll have to avoid the big turnover, the big pick six to Xavier Howard or something like that. But I believe the Panthers will win the game outright. I believe they'll win it by six. So they'll cover the two, take the Panthers. Rams at Packers, Packers plus one. This was a game I fought back and forth on, but I'm going to go with the Rams here. Why? Good teams win games off of buys and also good teams win games after being embarrassed check and check for the Rams um they were summarily embarrassed um when they brought out Odell Beckham and went to the 49ers and they were ready to go and they're coming off the emotional sadness of Robert Woods being injured and they got crushed the 49ers manhandled them for 60 minutes oh Odell had two catches for 18 yards Matt Stafford looked like it was bad it was it was rough they go into the bye week you get Odell acclimated more, and now you go to Green Bay. Ironically, the other team Odell was uh, trying to decide between. Um, you go to Green Bay. I know it's in Green Bay. If it was in L.A., it'd be an even easier decision. I know it's in, in Green Bay. I know Aaron Rodgers, how he's been playing recently. Um, but I've got the Rams here winning that game. Uh, I've got them winning by a field goal. So they'll cover the one. I think Odell has a big night. Um, Rams win 30-27. to 27. And then my fifth and final game, um, the fifth part of the five-game parlay that are going to go 5-0 and oh this week. I've got Titans at Patriots. Patriots minus seven. Take the Patriots here. Um, you don't lose. You don't get held to 13 points by the Houston Texans and then decide you're going to go into New England and score more than 20. Um, I think the Patriots offense will get to 24. 
Um, they left a lot of points on the board against Atlanta. Mac Jones was clearly frustrated into that game. Now you give Bill Belichick a long week to plan for a team that just lost to Houston. Um, and so with the added frustration of Mac Jones, how he played, Josh McDaniels wasn't happy overall. Bill Belichick definitely showed his frustration about the offense. A very confident defense. I believe the Patriots win this game going away. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thinking 30 to 20. Uh, one of those garbage time touchdowns make it look closer. Maybe 30 to 17. Uh, New England wins this game. It's in Foxborough. I'm confidently saying that New England will cover that seven-point spread. So just to give you guys a recap, that is Ravens minus three and a half over the Browns. Jags plus two over the Falcons. Panthers minus two over the Panthers. Rams minus one over the Packers. And Patriots minus seven over the Titans. Now up next, we're going to shift to the NBA and talk about what's going down there. Welcome back into the show, and let's start talking about the association. Yep, the NBA, and what's going down there. Uh, seems to be storylines and drama every day. It's one of the benefits of the NBA is that they play games all week. So there's a storyline, there's a drama, there's a headline every single day uh, that needs to be talked about and discussed. We're gonna start, first. We're gonna start looking at the standings now every week. So I know you guys were used to when we jump into a new sport, take a look at the standings, but I like giving sports a little while uh, before we start diving into the standings. Uh, we'll jump into the NFL standings starting next week, uh, but I like giving sports a little while to where it starts to matter. And even now in the NBA, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter, but it gives you a, a, a snapshot into what's going on. So out east, it is Nets, Heat, Bulls, Wizards, Hornets, Bucks, Knicks, 76ers. And then out west, we have the Warriors, the Sun, the Jazz, the Mavericks, the Clippers, the Trailblazers, the Lakers, and the Grizzlies. Obviously, the play-in tournament still exists. So 7 through 10 on both sides uh, would be in the play-in tournament. 1 through 6 is the automatic bids. Um, 7 through 10, you have to play your way in. And in a few weeks, we'll start looking at probably after the NFL season concludes, we'll start um, adding in the play-in teams. Yeah, so we'll start looking as far as down as 10, just because that's when it'll really matter about those playing spots. Um, you know, after football season, so we're looking after the Super Bowl, we'll really start to dive into the NBA and what's happening there in terms of playoff seeding, et cetera, et cetera. How many games back are people? That's when it'll, it'll be coming down the home stretch. And it'll really be important every single week uh, to update how close your favorite team might be to getting in. Friends, I'm a Pelicans fan. We're already six games back from 10th. But every game, Zion, every week, every picture I see of Zion, he appears to be slimmer and slimmer. So that means he's probably doing more active running. I haven't gotten an update about him in regards to him being participating in five on five. Um, I know it was, he wants to do, you know, week and you're going to get reevaluated. And then he's going to test see if he's going to do five on five. Um, probably a week or so of five on five and then get him back a week or two or five on five. And then you get him back in the games. Um, you know, 24 minutes, then probably 28 minutes. His goal probably for Zion is eventually 32 minutes a night, and, you know, eight minutes a quarter, uh, and then survive when he's on the floor. 
Um, that'll probably be the ultimate plan. I know the goal is to get him full ramp up by Christmas Day, where he is completely Zion Williamson, no restrictions, no holdbacks, nothing by Christmas Day, because that'll give you four months. Hopefully, you'll be less than 10 games back to charge at the 10 seeds to get into the playoffs, to play in, rather, to have a shot at the playoffs. Um, but looking at those standings, a few things stand out. For instance, the defending champions are sixth, the Bucks. Um, pretty much with no major injuries. I mean, Bobby Portis was injured for a little while, but pretty much with no major. And Lopez also not there. They're not there for a while either. Um, so they got a couple of big man injuries, but they are currently sitting at sixth. Um, obviously, the Golden State Warriors have the best record in the NBA. They are 15-2, and two, I believe, is the Golden State Warriors record right now. Or you look at the Lakers. They have been struggling. They're 10-10. and 10, They're sitting at seventh. Um, so they are still in the thick of things there. Uh, the 76ers, obviously, the Ben Simmons drama, adding in with Joel Embiid, missing three weeks for COVID, who, who should return tomorrow. Um, they're sitting at eighth, so they've managed to keep their playoff spot at the moment. The Washington Wizards, everyone's darling team who was first, I believe, a week ago, a week and a half ago, they have fallen down to fourth. Uh, the Phoenix Sun just keep chugging along. Don't mind them. Devin Booker, Jay Crowder, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton. Um, despite their internal issues with Robert Sarver and other investigations and the contract negotiations of DeAndre Aiden that went left, they're chugging along. They're sitting second. The Utah Jazz, they're sitting third. The Mavericks sitting fourth. The Clippers, sans Kawhi. And, you know, now I heard a couple weeks ago the Kawhi not coming back this season, which, breaking news, who didn't know that. Um, they're fifth right now. Portland, despite their early season struggles, are hanging out in sixth. The Bulls, everyone's darling team of the offseasons, hanging out in third. Uh, you know, so it's a lot of tough teams. The Hawks currently are not in the playoffs in the East. Um, so there's a lot of tough organizations, a lot of tough teams are in there. I think this season's going to be very, um, a lot of parity. And a lot of different organizations are going to have a shot uh, this season. Thanks to what I'm looking at in the standings, you know, and we're not even fully healthy. The Lakers have not jailed yet. The Pelicans are not healthy yet. The Hawks are dealing with injuries up and down. Uh, the Sixers are not healthy yet. So who who knows how this season is going to unfold in the NBA because a lot of basketball left. Um, but, let's speak, but let's jump to some headlines. I said there's headlines every day. We've got five headlines for five days, it feels like. Uh, Isaiah Stewart versus LeBron was the headline of the past couple of weeks. Um... I do not think it was intentional by LeBron in any safe form of fashion. Um, I do, however, think that he had a legitimate beef being angry. He got elbowed in the face. I would be upset. I mean, I'd be wanting to fight and scrap and get to him as well. But at the same time, you've got to keep your head. Uh, but it resulted in LeBron being suspended for a game. Isaiah Stewart suspended for two. Um, mainly because of the escalation issue. I felt like if it was just a LeBron elbow. He would have gotten ejected, and then it wouldn't have been anything else. Uh, the Lakers going to come back and win that game without him. Uh, they were down like 14 at one point. Ended up coming back thanks to Russell Westbrook and AD um, against the Pistons. They ended up coming back. But um, it could have been one of those galvanizing moments where that is the moment you circle and say the season turned around there. And they thought they're going to rip off 13, 14 in a row, but it's one of those, okay, they're going to win 10 or 14. And then I'm going to win, you know, 22 of 30. One of those, okay, this is where they came together as a group. Um, then they bonded around an incident. And uh, LeBron had a huge game against Indiana last night or the night before. Uh, 38, 6, and 5, including two monster threes in overtime. Um, 
you know, Andy Davis playing well, Russell Westbrook's playing well. They seem to all be bonding now. They seem to all be kind of putting it together. We we spoke about it before the season started. LeBron teams when he forms a new big three takes about a month or two to get their life together. Um, Russell Westbrook when he joined Houston when he joined Washington took about a month or two, even up to three months in Washington to figure it out, and then they started rolling. Um, so it's it, it's gonna take a while. I believe in Justin Period is still happening. They're still not fully healthy, but getting guys back like Tht, uh, Kendrick Nunn, uh, Trevor Ariza still not playing yet. It's gonna take adjustment when those guys come back as well. But they're going to have the ability to play multiple lineups, to play lineups defensively, to get shooting on the floor. Uh, they're going to have a lot of pride there in Los Angeles. Um, well, one of the weird narratives that came out was no one's afraid of LeBron. When I speak to former players, you heard Stephen A. Smith have said it. Um, Chris Broussard said it. No one's a, people. I talk to former players. They're not scared of LeBron. Yet former players like J.J. Redick and Kendrick Perkins have also said who who wasn't. Kendrick, Kendrick Perkins spoke about, man, we hated playing him in the playoffs and stuff like that. Just the fear he struck just when you saw his name on the marquee. Well, you didn't want to see that. J.J. Redick was talking about how he caught an elbow uh, to LeBron on the charge and had to get 15 stitches or something like that. And was said, say he was standing there in fear afterwards. Um, and spoke about how, you know, he played the game. He smashed Stephen A. Smith in the interview. Talking about how he played the game and how people, you know, don't want to see LeBron. And Chris Broussard compared it to... LeBron and Kobe are playing Mike Tyson versus Mayweather. Like Mayweather's going to beat you with his IQ and beat you with his skill and stuff like that. But Kobe wanted to dominate you and put fear in you like Mike did. It's all this random narrative that came out recently. It was very odd. I found it very strange. Um, And I noticed something, and Nick Wright did as well. But I noticed something, and I said, hey, no one went east. For years, and I was told it was because of the poor management in the East. I said, nobody has good management in the East. Nobody went East. LeBron was running the East for a decade. No one went. Everybody mass hiatus West or stayed West. 2019, LeBron goes to the Lakers. Everybody not named Kawhi Leonard has gone East. So either all these management teams suddenly got better in 2019, or you were trying to avoid one person. Because the one healthy year LeBron's had in the West, he was in the finals. The last 11 years of LeBron's healthy career, he's been in the finals. 10 in the East, 1 in the West. Magically, everybody conveniently goes to the other conference. So either we have to change the word afraid, or we have to just kill this narrative that LeBron is somehow less of a killer, quote unquote, than these other great players. Because everybody tends to want to go the other way. Whatever way he is, they go the other way. So we're going to have to definitely figure that out as a media narrative. I mean, think about it. Kevin Durant went west, west. Oh, LeBron's in the west, east. <laughs> Paul George went from the east to the west. And then when LeBron came to the west, Paul George stayed in the west. So I give Paul George credit. He's the only person that ever seems to get in LeBron. But he signed his deal for LeBron showed up. Kawhi Leonard went west. Kudos to him. James Harden, east. I'm out. Catch you later. I'm gone. Kyrie Irving, East. Um, what are the big name for agency? Remember Lamarcus Aldridge for agency? Remember that? He could have come right these. So several Eastern teams wanted him. He went. I'm good. I'll stay in the West. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it's just the mass exes of players. James Harden. I'm going East. I'm good. I'll be in the East. Don't worry about it. Um, so you see a lot of guys that have the opportunity. Jimmy Butler went East. 
Uh, you, you, you see a lot of guys that have the ability to challenge LeBron usually don't. So, hey, we're going to have to fix his narrative eventually. Maybe we won't. Maybe one of those things we'll look back in 20 years and his mythicism we built up like Michael Jordan's mysticism was, and then we'll figure it out. But up until that point, we're going to have to come to a consensus eventually. Uh, Clay Thompson has been cleared for full practice. He's been pretending in practice fully for the Golden State Warriors, which puts him might be a little bit ahead of pace uh, to get him back for Christmas Day of the first of the year to join a red hot Warriors team. They like said they're 15 and two without James Wiseman and without Clay Thompson. So who knows how good that team can truly be? Uh, but we're gonna love to see Clay Thompson back on the floor as a basketball fan, um, as a LeBron guy and a Pelicans fan. I'm, I don't want to see him. That's gonna hurt. To watch him destroy, but um, he hasn't played since 2019 finals. The league has changed so much since he's been on the floor. Um, but can't wait to see Clay Thompson back on the floor as a basketball fan. Uh, Anthony Edwards had the dunk of the year that didn't count. Uh, he was called for a charge on an absolute poster against the Miami Heat. Um, that dunk was insanely vicious. Um, I haven't seen a dunk that brutal in a while. Um, that kid's got crazy bounce. Um, Anthony Edwards with the dunk of the year that didn't count. Um, you know, he's he's rivaling John Morant in the almost category. Because John Morant has a few of the almost dunks of the year three times already. Um, especially the Kevin Love and when he cleared Kevin Love but hit the back of the rim with the ball. Um, Anthony Edwards' dunk was insane. Um, John Wall has a very interesting issue with the Houston Rockets. It seems like John Wall's not going to play basketball this year. He's going to get paid $41 million to not play. It's, it's incredibly intriguing. He's healthy. He's ready to go. But Houston has decided with John Wall or without John Wall, we're, we're trying to tank. We're, we're losing. We're trying to get draft picks, trying to build up the young guys, give Coach Silas a chance with a bunch of young guys, Jalen Green, Christian Wood, um, just to name a few of them. And John Walls is going to be there to practice, basically. So he's getting paid $41 million effectively to practice. He's not going to play. They told him he's not going to play. Well, it's because of he's making $41 million, he's untradeable. So effectively, John Walls is going to get paid $41 million to show up to practice. It's, that, it's, incredible. It's, it's insane. I almost forgot John Wall was in the NBA. It was not until it was a video of him um, coming out, uh, against, uh, coming against, destroying uh, Jalen Green and talking trash to him in a one-on-one that I was like, oh, yeah, John Wall is in the NBA. He is totally Houston Rocket. But because his salary is so big, he's effectively untradeable, and Houston's already said they're not going to play him. So John Wall is basically on ice for a year. But I think he's a free agent after this season, so he'll be able to pick his team after this. Um, hopefully he gets to a team that can use his services and uh, maybe a Philadelphia. Um, trying to think of another good team that use a point guard. Boston, Philadelphia. Um, and I'm sure there's a couple other spots as well. Dallas could use a two point guard. Um, you know, I'm just saying, oh, San Antonio's got, you know, San Antonio's good. Um, but there's a few teams that can use a point guard. Timberwolves. He can go up there with that crew. So there's a few there's a few organizations that can use his services next season. But because of his salary this year, it's impossible to match it and make it work. And $41 million is a lot of money for a non-top-tier player, which John Wall is not anymore. He is not a top-tier guy anymore. 
But up next, we're going to have our best for last, which will be a discussion about college football. guys and welcome back into the show and now we're gonna talk about college football it is hashtag hate week in college football um all of your favorite rivalries are occurring this week um you got auburn alabama in the iron bowl you had the egg bowl last night mississippi old miss and mississippi state you've got the game with ohio state and um michigan uh, Michigan State, I believe, is playing Minnesota for the Little Brown Jug. Um, USC and UCLA played last week. It is it is hate week. It is the rival that you do not like. That the game all season, it is circled. You do not like them. They do not like you. And you're going to play this football game to prove that how much you don't like each other. Um, There's going to be the week where you see all the Ohio State fans uh, use X's instead of M's. Um... This is going to be the week that you see that Ohio State goes around the campus crossing out M's on campus. Um, Michigan's already going to start their banter. Uh, Michigan hasn't beaten Ohio State in years. Jim Harbaugh's never done it. Uh, you have people saying that Jim Harbaugh could be close there until he's 150. He'll never do it. This is going to be the best chance for Michigan to win because the winner of this game gets the Big Ten title shot against whoever comes out of the East, which I believe is Michigan State. Um, gets the Big Ten title shot. Uh, Michigan State's in the West. So, whoever comes out of the East, they get the Big Ten title shot, presumably. It'll be very interesting because it'll be a three-way tie because Michigan would beat Ohio State, Ohio State would have beat Michigan State, and Michigan State would have beat Michigan. So, it'll be very interesting to see. I think the Big Ten bylaws state that he's the highest ranked of the teams. Get it? I'm not sure on that, but um, presumably, the winner of the game gets the Big Ten title shot and gets the shot to get the Big Ten spot in the playoff. So huge, and I don't mean huge game. Uh, the game has never been game. I mean, I don't remember the game having this much um, gravity and this much weight behind it besides just the rivalry game. The rivalry game is bragging rights for 12 months and it's potentially the playoff spot. Michigan wins this game, Ohio State is not making the playoff and they are not making the Big Ten championship game. Ohio State wins this game. Michigan is not making the playoff. They are not making the Big Ten Championship game. So this game was absolutely massive. Uh, Michigan's had one blunder all year. They had a bad 30 minutes against, really a bad 20 minutes against Michigan State. A little over a quarter and a half. They played horribly and Michigan State came back and won. Ohio State has one blunder on their schedule. They had a bad 60 minutes against Oregon, but they've looked great other than that. Um, Huge game, huge game. I'm going to say Michigan gets them this time. I am going to say Jim Harbaugh gets them this time. Ryan Day and Urban Meyer at Ohio State have never lost to a Big Ten opponent. That is actually insane. Um, Ohio State has not lost in the conference in years. Uh, people talk about the damage that Alabama does in the SEC. Alabama lost LSU in 2019. Alabama lost Texas hit him this year. They didn't lose in 2020. But Alabama has lost a conference game, about a little over half a conference game a year. They lose every couple years in the conference. Incredibly dominant, but Ohio State has not lost in conference in several years. Ryan Day has never lost in the Big Ten. I do not recall Urban Meyer ever losing to a Big Ten opponent either. 
it's actually ridiculous the dominance Ohio State has over the Big Ten. Um, they what even Clemson's gotten mollywhopped in conference a few times this year, and they have a shot at the AC title game for outside craziness. Um, but yeah, I don't. I, I I got Michigan winning this year. If they don't do it this year, I don't know when they're gonna do it. Um, so I've got Michigan winning this year to beat Ohio State. Um, I've got Alabama cruising over Ole Miss. Um, even though I want TJ Finley to do well, I've got Alabama cruising over Ole Miss in the Iron Bowl. Um, like I said, rivalries all over the place. Um, Arkansas, Missouri, I believe that's a rivalry game as well. They're for the Battle of the Civil War or something like that. Um, we got Auburn, Alabama, LSU, and AM. I've got AM by a lot. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam. I've got Oklahoma winning that game. Oklahoma needs it. Um, although Oklahoma State would have an outside shot at the playoff by beating Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma was undefeated. They would probably win this game, go undefeated, and they'd be an undefeated Power 5 champion. You'd have to put them in. Um, Oklahoma State still has an outside shot at it, though. Um, Oregon, Oregon State. I think that's a big rivalry game as well. Oh, Michigan State's playing Penn State. Intriguing. Uh, Michigan State's playing Penn State. My apologies, I said earlier. I don't know what I said, but it wasn't that. Um, Oregon, Oregon State. So it's a lot of big-time rivalry games this week. Uh, obviously, it starts off huge. The big one um, is Bedlam. Not Bedlam. The game, uh, which is Ohio State and Michigan. And the Iron Bowl at 2.30 with Alabama, uh, Auburn. LSU, Texas A&M is the game I'll be watching to close it out. Obviously, huge LSU fan, uh, which has Lincoln Riley at the moment. is the top candidate for the LSU job because everyone else has pretty much gotten paid. James Franklin, 10-year extension with Penn State. Mel Tucker, 10-year extension with uh, Michigan State. Dave Aranda and Baylor are working towards an extension. He pretty much told us that last week. Um, and so that takes the three big names out for the LSU job. So that pretty much leaves Billy Napier, um, who's the coach of Louisiana Lafayette, who's also been linked to the Florida job. Um, that leaves Lincoln Riley, Iowa State, Oklahoma's head coach. Um, Matt Campbell, Iowa State's head coach. And uh, Luke Fickle, Cincinnati's head coach. So those are the, and then Jumbo Fish is the outside guy, but I don't think he has a chance to come into Baton Rouge. So that is the uh, big four in terms of if you're an LSU fan or uh, you're a USC fan too. Those are the big college names still left. Um, obviously, NFL guys may join the fray, although I don't see who would do it. Maybe Joe Brady for a huge paycheck, but I don't know if he'd leave the NFL anymore. Um, so it would be, be very interesting to see who ends up coaching at USC, Florida, and LSU. Three very, very good jobs um, in the country. Cincinnati? Has, is in. Currently, Cincinnati's in. And if I'm Cincinnati, I am rooting for absolute chaos. I'm rooting for Auburn this week and then uh, Georgia next week. Because if Bama's out, then you're pretty much in. Cincinnati will be in. It's got to win their conference and they'll get in the playoff. They are the highest. They are the first non-Power 5 team to, make the, to be in the top four of the rankings. So if it holds true, they'll be in the playoff. Huge for the sport in general. Um, and speaking of the playoff, the 12-team expansion is catching even more steam. We talked about it, so I won't delve into it too much more. But the 12-team uh, college football expansion is picking up steam in regards to um, happening. It has to be approved in a very short window for next season. If not, it'll be pushed for 2025. But it is picking up steam. 
but that is all we have for today i hope you guys had a great thanksgiving hope you guys enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend um don't forget to like and subscribe on itunes and spotify and follow the, the social media handle at daytime sports on pretty much all your social medias that's instagram that's tiktok twitter and facebook now i hope you guys have a great rest of your day this is your host justin jackson signing out